0: Welcome back. At the end of the last episode, we'd been learning about Lee's role in the early stages of the surrealist art scene in Cairo that would later manifest itself as the Art and Liberty Group. However, just as that movement was a reaction to worldwide politics, the world around Lee and Roland was rapidly disintegrating. At this point, the outbreak of the Second World War is looming, and Hitler and the Axis powers
1: are really flexing their military power. The Axis originated from a series of agreements formed between Germany and Italy in 1936. Its name originated from Mussolini's proclamation that the agreements represented an axis binding Rome and Berlin together, about which the rest of the world would rotate. Japan, an ally of Britain during the First World War, joined the Axis in 1938. All three countries shared an expansionist agenda and opposition to communism. In May 1939, the Axis evolved from a diplomatic relationship into a military coalition, which would eventually be joined by Hungary, Bulgaria and Romania in opposing Britain, France and their allies during the Second World War.
2: 19th March. My darling, at last I got your letter which must have crossed my last one. "'How marvellous that I shall see you again soon. "'You leave it pretty vague, but there is at least a feeling I get "'that it won't be long before you take a ship and I take a ship too to meet you. "'Paul, Noosh and Man are all staying in that house near Lagaroup "'where we lunched with Janie, Pasha and all got plastered. "'They have written twice to ask me to join them complete, as Paul puts it, "'with female companion.' You are the only one who could make me feel complete, and I seriously propose that I should meet you in Marseille about April 8th, and that we should spend a week or so with them. Then wonder as we feel inclined. Paul says he will be there till the end of the month of April. Your life sounds as wild as a six-legged zebra, and as fast as it is loose. I can see that all the varied distractions of Egypt have at last caught you. To think that last year it was me who had to vomit out its merits, and I've helped cut my own throat by doing so. My life here has been entirely occupied with Mezan and his gallery for the last fortnight. It is a hell of a job getting it under way, and as you know, I'm not used to jobs. However, the worst is almost over, and after the midnight opening on March 31st to April 1st, with a show of Magritte, I shall take a holiday and let him run it all alone. As I told you, I think I'm putting up three quarters of the funds. I've been to one or two cocktail parties in the dressmaker's world, which have turned out to be good fun. But no time for adventures, in fact. Even now I've got to hurry and can't write more. Darling, will you come to Garoupe? Write at once and say yes so that I can fix it all. In this bloody addled world where daily everything seems to get more menacing and we can now only make plans provided the Muslers are willing, the hope of seeing my love soon is the one thing worth while. Do come, Lee, my darling. I love you.
1: Roland is almost certainly referring to events in Austria at this time. On 12th of March 1938, Germany had annexed Austria, the birthplace of its leader, Adolf Hitler. German troops occupied the country, unopposed by Austrian forces, and Austria ceased to exist as an independent state. International reaction was muted. Two days after Roland's letter, the British Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, said in the House of Commons, The hard fact is that nothing could have arrested what actually happened, unless this country and other countries had been prepared to use force. But this lack of international reaction increased Hitler's confidence. He now turned his attention to Czechoslovakia. This
0: is on deep blue-purple paper, and it matches the envelope, and it's typed um, by Lee in Cairo and to Roland, who's in Hampstead and the date is the 24th of March 1938. Darling, I must get this off by airmail instantly, so it's short and to the point. I just came back from a very long trek in the desert, Mount Sinai and Petra, Transjordania and Palestine, with trouble and comic relief all the way. She only mentions it very briefly here, but for Lee to have made a trip through Transjordania and Palestine at this time was quite remarkable.
2: So this is really, it's really sort of the height of the Arab revolt in Palestine. And that's the mass popular uprising against British management of Palestine and the very uneven distribution of resources and land and and political favor towards the Zionist settlements in Palestine against the native Arab population.
1: In 1917, the British government had issued the Balfour Declaration. This was a public statement of support for the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine, then part of the Ottoman Empire. After the First World War, Britain was granted a mandate by the League of Nations to administer the territories of Palestine and Transjordan. These territories embraced most of present-day Israel and Jordan. Despite Arabs forming the majority of the Palestinian population, Britain was tasked with overseeing the process of Jewish immigration and settlement. The British Mandate was unpopular with the Jewish and Palestinian Arab communities. Both formed nationalist movements which fomented constant unrest. Between 1936 and 1939, a serious Arab revolt took place in Palestine in support of Arab demands for independence and an end to Jewish immigration and landing acquisition. Protests and strikes gave way to violence in 1937. This attracted a brutal response from the British. Many Arabs were killed, executed or died as a result of their treatment. The exact figures are disputed, but it's estimated that more than 10% of the adult Arab population military age were killed, wounded, imprisoned or exiled. This is the background to Lee's journey. It was dangerous, uncertain and very, very brave. Ultimately the Arab revolt in mandatory Palestine would be unsuccessful, but its consequences would cast a long shadow over the region. All my affairs are in a rush and a
0: terrible tangle. Your note saying that you are about to embark for America or someplace frightens me. Oh dear, it sounds like there's been a bit of a mix-up here. I think when Roland talked about going to Montana on the way to his visit to Paris, Lee thought he meant Montana America, whereas actually he meant Montana in France. This is my tentative plan. I can leave here the 10th or 11th for Greece with my car, spend two weeks in Greece and at the end of that time meet you without your car and travel across Europe slowly back to London or Paris or some other place. Or I go without my car or you come by car instead of by train with some other couple or person and we go back two cars. I'd suggest Man Ray or the Bards especially as it would be fun going to Hungary with them and I could meet you some planned place. In any case, I must tell Aziz that I'm being joined by a group of friends. Or, if you can't do all that, I might join with strangers and go across. Or perhaps the Hopkinsons, or come by train and not take my car at all. The point being that I want to spend about two weeks seeing Greek islands, etc., before going on to civilization, And I'd like to spend the summer with you, bumming around to places that may not exist after next year. Let me have some sort of answer to all these plans by return airmail. That is, what you think of all of it? Or if, in any case, the further arrangements can be left till I get to Greece, which is my leverage for leaving here. And if I'm without my car, I can always arrange some other way of getting to you. Triple Ten might be fun, all the moors. I adore the Eloise, only I don't think they would travel without collapsing. But prefer infinitely, Man Ray. All my love, darling your Duke. It's worth mentioning here that I think we're missing a letter from Lee to Roland. Roland talks about a letter from her that he'd got from Athens, but we don't have one in the collection.
2: Hampstead, 2nd of April. My darling, I've just got your letter from Athens. I am very miserable at having had to put off meeting you. My reason was that I had got myself tied up in this London gallery business in such a way that if I went off suddenly before completing all the papers, agreements and other mumbo-jumbo, I should have created havoc with the whole thing and left Tripotan with nothing to go on with. Now at last things are practically settled, the gallery open, the papers signed, and I can in a few days sink back into my position of sleeping partner – Of that I am damned glad, as business, accounts, selling pictures, appearing at a given place or at a given time every morning, doesn't fit in with my natural love of laziness. The gallery was opened at midnight with a show of Magritte. There was a very good crowd and all went off very well. The opening speech was made by Julian Tavellian, a young painter with an extraordinary appearance. I dressed him in a dinner jacket a tope, red gloves, an outsize in spectacles with mirrors instead of glasses, a white stick and a large notice, totally blind. He made a speech I had prepared for him in which he finished up by telling everybody that they had come to an exhibition of people and that the pictures were there to look at them. It's a very fine show in any case and the press is beginning to take notice. Darling, your letter makes me mad with envy. Greek, Parthenon and mountains. To find myself tied when I might have been flying to you, we must arrange things better. You must come to France soon. Certainly we can arrange to spend some time with Paul, Noosh and man somewhere. They talk of a visit to London. But that's a habit they've got and I don't count on it. I shall stay here now until May. "'until I hear from you of where to meet. "'There is still the annulment to come on "'some time about the end of May, I believe. "'I sent you by ordinary post the catalogue. "'Bulletin, which is Maison's idea "'of combining all sorts of interests. "'He could publish some of your photos sometime "'if you will let him.'
0: The London Bulletin that Rowland mentions here is an important Surrealist publication, and as you will hear later in the series, became an important conduit for transnational exchange of Surrealist ideas.
2: Everybody is getting jittery about politics. Newspapers never appear without announcing some new horror, and no one knows where the disease will break out next. The news from Spain is worse and worse. The places I visited the autumn before last are all being smashed to bits. Spain had
1: been engulfed in a bitter civil war since 1936. General Franco's nationalist forces, supported by German and Italian air power, confronted Spanish Republican forces, who in turn were supported by the Soviet Union and the volunteers of the International Brigades. The first Two months of 1938 saw fierce fighting, with events turning in favor of Franco's forces. German and Italian air support had a decisive impact on the fortunes of war. Diminishing support in the forms of arms and supplies from the Soviet Union undermined the Republicans. The Battle of Teruel in early 1938 saw the city change hands several times. It was followed by the Aragon offensive, which began on 7th of March. At the time of Roland's letter, the Republican forces in Aragon, Catalonia and the Levant had been all but destroyed. Barcelona was bombed on 16th of March and Vinaroz was under threat. Republican politicians were beginning to call for peace negotiations. By 19th of April, the Aragon Offensive was over, Republican forces were divided and critically weakened. But the war itself would drag on for another year, finally concluding with Franco-Victorious on 1st of April 1939.
2: I remember ride particularly well, where we were admirably entertained by the old colonel who is now putting up such a gallant defence. I can't believe it's over yet all the same. Those people can stand up to a lot. Perret wrote to me asking for money. He wants to go to Mexico with his girl to escape the war that he thinks will be here soon. The same day I read in the papers that there is a first class squabble in Mexico over oil. So it's probably best just to take no notice. The only thing that remains superb and still hopeful is my love for you, darling Lee. I want you. Come soon. You have been away long enough. All my love, Roland. Hampstead, 1804-38 My darling, the days go by and I long for news of you. What has happened to you since Athens? Where are you, and when are you coming? Here things are becoming complicated. Every day new things crop up into which I find myself drawn. So much so that I feel the necessity of getting away from it all weighing on me more and more. I look to your arrival as the signal for a change, but if only I could know beforehand it would make it much easier for me to extricate myself with some appearance of decency. My half-Spanish girl so far has been living here all this time and is also getting restless. She knows that I am only waiting to know that you are on your way in this direction to be off, which makes it hard for her to be happy. I believe, though, she doesn't tell me much, and I shall not be surprised if she packs up quite soon. All the same, I shall be sorry to see her go, unless, of course, your return changes the whole horizon. I have a feeling that I have become a sombre, gloomy and ill-tempered bachelor lately. Politics, Spain and my new business preoccupations have occupied so much of my time that I have had no opportunities for the charms of debauchery. In fact, in the last six weeks I have only met one new girl for whom I have a lech. An American, naturally, with an accent like yours, which upsets me at once. Eileen and Joseph are a permanent standby, and I see them often as possible. Also, I've been to the country for a healthy but dull weekend, and the Easter fair has been filling Downshire Hill with its roaring lions, roundabouts, the famous stud of electrical galloping horses, dragons and mermaids, cabaret shows and fortune tellers, of these last Royal Gypsy Lee was the most celebrated, in fact, all the others claim to be her daughters, nieces or cousins. I have been painting a biggish picture, which is now nearly finished, and astonishing events have happened. I have sold two pictures and an object in the last fortnight. Also, Magritte has written a thing about my postcard collages, and I am thinking of getting about six reproduced in colour to be sold in a folder with it. "'Darling Lee, when are you coming? "'Do let me know as soon as possible. "'I want you more than ever. "'I've still got a lot on hand, but if you let me know, "'I will make the shortest possible work of it, "'and we will be off to Iceland, Paris, Mexico, Dutch, East Indies, "'or whatever you like. "'I love you. "'Roland.' "'Footnote. "'I've got a new Ford.' "'The old one began to make noises.' The new one has some improved gadgets and the... has moved inside the hood. Otherwise, it's just the same. Hampstead, 3rd of May. My darling. I seem to have lost you worse than ever this time. No more letters. No more news. And I've been so busy that I've hardly had time to write myself. Darling, it's time... "'Time to say you're coming. "'I want you terribly, "'and the longer you put off coming, "'the more complications, engagements, and what not "'creep in to tie me down. "'But if only you will let me know, "'just say a fortnight in advance, "'I will make short work of it all. "'I want to get away from here. "'Now that the gallery is on its legs, "'there is only the divorce, "'still an unknown quantity as regards date, "'to cause serious difficulties.' You may think me quite loony, but on the 1st of May I marched through the streets of London with three other guys, all dressed exactly like a cabinet minister, with masks on. Four Neville Chamberlains shouting that Chamberlain must go. It was very exhausting, as one could hardly breathe inside the mask, but it produced a tremendous sensation, and even the cops held their sides with laughter, especially when we did a very fine Big Apple in front of the Houses of Parliament.' I'll show you the photo if I can get hold of one. Rowland's letter
1: of 3rd of May 1938 relates to a really interesting story. May Day, 1st of May, is also International Workers' Day. It was the occasion for processions, such as that described by Rowland, in many countries. May Day 1938 reflected rising international tensions worldwide. The British Labour Party, and the British Fascist Party, which was led by Sir Oswald Mosley, both mounted major events in London. The Labour Party organized six separate processions, one of which included Rowland, which marched through London from different directions converging on Hyde Park. Here, they voiced their opposition to fascism, their support for the Republican movement in Spain, and their opposition to Neville Chamberlain's government. The Belfast Telegraph reported that processionists in their thousands participated, including communists and cooperatives, and large numbers of girls in hiking or tennis shorts. The fascist procession, something which Roland would not have been involved in, took place in South London. Moseley addressed the crowd for about 45 minutes. The same reporter estimated that about 8,000 men and women took part in this particular event. About 500 police were on hand, and, for the most part, there was no violence.
2: I've been painting in a rather disconnected way, as all sorts of things crop up to disturb me. Then I've met this very cute American girl from Virginia, who to look at is one of the best I know, though not your type. I haven't pursued her very far, We only dance together with our hair entwined and exchange loving kisses in taxis. Lovely as she is, I can't get mixed up with more girls. Just the only one I really want may be on her way at any moment. I hope I'm not kidding myself. So I sit on the fence instead of leaping in the pond or rolling onto a bed. Today I lunched with old Erno, Goldfinger who is pushing his idea of getting me to buy one of the houses he is building at the end of Downshire Hill. In many ways, it's very tempting. Big windows, sun terraces, studio and all. Very modern and smart. But I'm damned if I know if I want to fix myself even more firmly in London. I wish you were here to advise me. In any case, I shan't decide yet. I shall sit on Erno's fence too. I met a young photographer who said he knew you and asked tenderly after you. Bill Brandt is his name. He met you in Paris with Mann some years ago, apparently. Like so many others, he admired your object, the teeth bracelet, which stands by the chimney.
1: Bill Brandt was born in Hamburg, Germany, in 1904. He was the son of a British father and German mother. As a child in Germany during the First World War, Brandt experienced the shock of seeing his father interned as an enemy alien, and he suffered many privations, including being bullied at school. After the war, Brandt required treatment for TB in Vienna, after which he embarked upon a career in photography. In 1930, Bill Brandt was introduced to Man Ray by Ezra Pound. Brandt undertook a three-month apprenticeship in Paris with Man Ray who would become a major influence on Brandt's subsequent work. And it was during this time that Brandt met and got to know Lee Miller. When Hitler came to power in 1933, Brandt moved to Britain, settling in Belsize Park, London. He disowned his German background, claiming to have been born in London. In the years that followed, he contributed to British illustrated magazines, such as Picture Post, and documented British society, particularly at night. Brandt had just published his second book, A Night in London, in early 1938, when he met Roland. Brandt's expertise and reputation for night photography was put to good use in the early years of the Second World War. He documented the blackout in London and Londoners sheltering in underground stations during the Blitz for the Ministry of Information. These photographs today are preserved in the collections of the Imperial War Museum. After the war, Brandt moved away from documentary photography towards abstract modernism. His expressionist studies of the human body and landscapes, as well as his collage work, show a strong connection to pre-war surrealism. He published two collections of work, Shadow of Light, 1966, and Bill Brandt's Nudes, 1945-80. to He died in 1983.
2: I've also seen Katya again. She's very occupied with her beauty creams and her man. Some days in good form and some days a case of serious jitters. Darling Lee, I must know what you're up to. Write and say when you're coming and make it soon. Already in about six weeks it will be a year since the Rochas party. You can't put off coming any longer. Lee, I love you. Roland.
0: Oh dear, poor Roland. In the next episode, Roland eventually, finally gets his wish and Lee replies and they finally get to see each other again. The guests today on this podcast were Hilary Roberts, Senior Curator of Photography at the Imperial War Museums London and Dr. Hussein Omar, a lecturer in modern global history at the University College Dublin. Lee's letters and this episode was narrated by me, Amy Bouhessen, the director of the Lee Miller archives. Roland Penrose's letters were read by Adam Grayson. The music is composed by David Cullen and the series is produced by Tolly Robinson. The copyright of this series is the Lee Miller archives, 2021, all rights reserved.